change gears a little bit. We're not going to continue in our study, uh, not today, in the book of Acts. We're going to be in uh, Isaiah. Uh, so we're going to hit a couple spots there. I think in light of um, what we've been exposed to, what's been going on, um, I think it's quite fitting um, seeing the, the climate, um, the kind of like the, the response, <clears throat> especially when, when um, we're hit hardest uh, with things in life. Uh, I think it was fitting um, that uh, we would cover the topic of peace this morning, the topic of peace. But before we do, um, just a few announcements for you, some reminders. Uh, we do have a Mexico missions trip that's coming up in January, and so what we're asking for is that um, as a church we gather uh, together, we participate, and uh, we send off the Mexico missions trip which, uh, with a bunch of gift bags for the children at the uh, women's home in, down in Ensenada. So uh, if you'd like to help, please pick up a Ziploc bag at the missions table. And uh, there is a list of suggested items that would go in there. Um, so it would be great if we had great participation. And uh, we took just a lot of bags down there uh, when we go in January. Mid-January is when we're going. Uh, the children's ministry is in need of some uh, helpers. Uh, we need people to serve as teachers and assistance for this coming rotation. The rotation starts in January, and so I would encourage you, if you haven't, um, if you're not, um, that you would step up and fill the need for that. Um, you can see Liz or Jesus afterwards if you have any questions. You can see me um, afterwards if you don't know who Liz or Jesus are, and, um, and I can point you in the, their direction. We also have, mark your calendars, a Christmas Eve service. We have that every year. Um, and so uh, on, what is it, Thursday, right? It's Thursday this year, Thursday. Thursday is Christmas Eve, and so at 3 p.m., we're going to be meeting here. Bring your friends and family, coworkers, neighbors, uh, grab people off the streets and bring them in. And no, quite literally, if you would like to do that on that day, bring them all in, because that is the reason why we're all gathering together, is to be reminded of, uh, the, the, the time in which we were in, in the calendar year, we get to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's a very special time um, that we're going to be worshiping together and preparing our hearts for um, Christmas Eve. And some of you, you have different traditions that you observe uh, for Christmas Eve. And, and others, the, the big day is, is uh, Christmas Day itself. And so... Um, let's, let's really prepare our hearts for the celebration of our Lord Jesus Christ and, and his birth. That, that is why we all gather together. Um, and we also have, so we've rescheduled. The Lord reshuffled things. That's all I'm saying. He's reshuffled things. We had two showings. Um, if you missed, did you guys miss them? The showing, we had, had one on Friday and then Saturday of Charlie Brown. No. I missed it too, and I think everyone else did because we're, we rescheduled it for this coming Wednesday. So we, we're not going to have a midweek service, but in its place, we have the Charlie Brown Christmas play. And so we have that going on at 7 p.m. Um, I, I hope to see all of you here, and that's a wonderful time to bring family and friends, neighbors. Why? Because it's an outreach at the same time. You know, we're having fun. We're enjoying that time. 
uh, that, that play, but it, it's also, it also serves as an outreach because the gospel is going to be presented uh, that evening. So <clears throat> that's what we have going on for our announcements. And uh, so this morning, again, we're in Isaiah. We're, we're, we're going to start out in Isaiah chapter 9, and then uh, we're going to go to Isaiah 26. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and then over to chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. And so while you hold your place there, there's a couple of things that I want to bring up. Let's see, one is found, if I remember right. Yes, in Mark chapter 4. There was a, um, there was a time when Jesus' disciples were so filled with fear that they feared for their lives. In this particular moment, it was because of a storm. They, they saw the circumstances all around them, and they, they feared greatly. It says uh, in verse 35 of Mark 4, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Um, if you've ever been, it's interesting because we, we read about this, but when you're actually in a boat, it's not like, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, these boats were really massive but this particular boat they were taking across and, and keep in mind what Jesus told me says let us go across to the other side as Jesus the son of God he said this to his disciples but the storm was so severe that they were taking on water that's no small thing that's like it, it's at the point where your boat is starting to fill with water you start grabbing whatever it is that you have on hand to take the water out of the boat. The, the, the water belongs outside the boat, not inside the boat, right? And so you grab cups, you, and if you don't have cups, and then you grab your hands, and you're, you're just splashing it out. But this is what was going on. Verse 38 says, But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. That was Jesus, asleep on the cushion. He even brought his own cushion, you know? And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Oh, what a statement. Because I, I think the Lord really impressed this upon my heart just to give this intro to go into this, this study this morning. Because it's when we're squeezed, it's when we're dealt with really, really difficult things. Like, we think we're, we're faced with difficult things, but then we're faced with something that goes beyond that, way beyond that. We, we feel like we're sinking, we feel like we're taking on water. And it's at that point that we sometimes say the same words. Do you not care that we're perishing? 
Do you not care? We say that to the Lord. And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. He said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he, he wasn't done. Jesus wasn't done with them, with his disciples. Turned to them. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? It's an interesting question, isn't it? I don't know, Jesus. I'm, you know, I'm, I look at the things around me. I see our boat. It was being, getting filled with water. You, you see all of this. You were asleep on the stern on your cushion. And, you know, and you're asking, why are you so afraid? You mean I shouldn't have been afraid? That's the implication here. Folks, this is, that's the implication. Do we understand that? In the midst of the storm, their disciples were in the wrong when they were expressing fear. Oh, interesting. Because he wouldn't have asked the question, why are you so afraid, if it wasn't the wrong thing. And then he said, have you still no faith? After all the things that you've come to know, learn, and, and understand, I told you, let's go to the other side. Right? I said, have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, this was a different fear. This, was, this is a, a fear of God that had overwhelmed them because there was no more storm. So there's no storm to, to fear. This is a different fear now. This is a good fear. This is a fear that should overwhelm us. So they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That's who you need to get to know. That's who we need to walk with hand in hand. And may, and may we, at the point where we ask him, do you not care that we're perishing? May we be reminded of these words that he said to the disciples after having stilled the sea. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? It should be humbling for you and I. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Right? So I thought that it was very fitting, very applicable for us to look at the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. I hope and I know that for many families, uh, this Christmas is going to be a, a bit different by your own choices, by your own reasons. Um, you have done things differently. Many families are doing things differently. You're not doing it the same way. Some, hey, it's no different this year than any other. Praise God. But perhaps in the midst of it, if you're not gathering with your families as you normally would, I hope that you would be reminded of that hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the salvation that has come and been given to us personally. The Prince of Peace is what we're looking at. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 
It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then in chapter 26, verse 3, it is written, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Oh, Heavenly Father, once again, we commit this time into your hands. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us individually. Lord, as a, a people who profess to love you and to follow you, to believe you, to trust in you, a people who look to you as Lord, as Savior, as God, I pray that we would understand and know intimately the Prince of Peace, that he would guard our hearts and our minds, and Lord, we would be well established on the promises of your very mouth, the breath of God, your word. And so we commit this time into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Chuck Smith said, <clears throat> quote, were I an artist and desired to paint a picture with a message of perfect peace, I would paint a picture of Christ sleeping in a boat. Mark 4. We speak of peace on an international level. Of this I have little to say. I do not preach for it or even advocate it. It cannot be until the Prince of Peace comes. Of far greater importance is peace on the individual level. This is possible even perfect, close quote. As we read in Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He is the author, he is the captain, he is the principal, he is the Lord, the sustainer of peace, and he is peace himself. Many have momentary peace, but then you lose it because you're striving for something else to give you that peace. Charles Wesley once wrote, I rest beneath the almighty shade. My griefs expire, my troubles cease. Though, Lord, on whom my soul is stayed, will keep me still in perfect peace. Does the comfort of loved ones and the nation cause us to find peace? Is it the passing of time, perhaps, that we desire would bring us to that place of peace. Perhaps peace is in emptying oneself, our very minds. Is it found in drugs and alcohol and happy pills? Or is what the Bible says about peace true? Is peace only truly found? In Jesus Christ. Peace. Do you have it? And if you've been tested, the question that we ought to ask ourselves 
when we, found our, when we find ourselves wanting, have we ever really truly had it? Are we still searching? Is there still that anxiety, that worry? Are we still putting our faith in people, positions, government bodies, the world, all kinds? Of, are we, where are we putting our faith, our trust? Because it's times very much like the ones we live in that test whether our peace is genuine or not. What do we go to to find peace? And is it momentary or is it constant? That's very telling of exactly what our object of hope is. Peace is not the absence of thought. Sometimes we think, Lord, empty our minds. No, no, don't, don't empty your minds. That's a whole different uh, spiritual experience. We do not, as Christians, we do not empty our minds. We occupy it with the word of God. We allow Jesus to possess our very thoughts and to guard them and to govern our thoughts. It's through belief, trust and faith in Jesus Christ that one is at peace with God because he is fulfilling his God-ordained purpose in life. For and to God's glory. There is contentment that's known at that point. There is satisfaction and knowledge that is of being certain of being right with God and knowing his will. It's not pride. It's not arrogance. Oh, it's something wonderful and humbling. And quite frankly, it makes you a gentle person with great strength when you have great confidence in the Lord. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Webster's Dictionary defines peace as a state of tranquility, quiet, calm, freedom from civil disturbance. A state of security, being secure within a community, freedom from oppression, strife, and disorder, in harmony, in personal relations, untroubled by conflict, agitation, or commotion. Interesting because some has to do with external circumstances and, quite frankly, uh, Webster's Dictionary defines it also as something that is a matter of choice and a matter of the will. And it is a matter of the will. It truly is. Not because I say it is, but because Jesus said. In fact, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you have this peace? Jesus, in his last conversation with his disciples before the crucifixion, said to them, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Did you get that? That last part? Oh, these, are, these are key things. My beloved brothers and sisters, these, these are key things that we need to really focus in on. Let not your hearts be troubled. You let them be troubled. If they're troubled, I'm, my heart is so troubled, it's because you allowed it to be troubled. 
He said, neither let them be afraid. Oh, I have great fear, great anxiety, great worry. <laughs> when, when, when someone is in that place over and over and over again, and someone says, well, it's a psychological defect. It sure is. It's also a spiritual defect. Or else we prove, or we think we can prove, God's word wrong. Because he said, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, neither let them be afraid. He said, do not be anxious about anything. What is worry? It's a sin. <laughs> That's what it is. He said, worry about nothing, right? Question. How is it that Jesus could give his disciples peace when he was about to suffer on the cross? You should be an expression of peace, Jesus, and you're going to experience all of this. How is it that Jesus could give his, his disciples peace when his disciples were about to go through the worst experience of their lives up to that time? Three days after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus came and stood in the midst of his disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples were glad, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. <clears throat> they were looking for a, a redeemer in a different way. That's our problem. It really is. We're looking for someone to save us from the same things. External oppression our circumstances, the things that we're fa being faced with. But it wasn't until he revealed himself to, to them that they were glad when they, and they were filled with great joy. Perhaps this is the joy that, and the hope that, and the peace that he's talking about. This is the Prince of Peace whose words are not empty, but are always fulfilled. Death and the grave could not hold Jesus, and neither will this world, neither will trouble, neither will sin or death hold us. Someone once said, quote, peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble, but is rather the confidence that he is there with you always. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses eight through 10 says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. See, true peace is highly desirable. And true peace is actually a contagious state of mind and life worth catching. But how? What's better is that it's found in a whole new life, a life in Christ, found with and in the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Three things we're going to go through. Number one, understanding that 
a peace, uh, understanding a peace kept in Jesus. Number two, a peace perfected in Jesus. And number three, a peace guarded by Jesus. A peace kept in Jesus, perfected in Jesus, and guarded by Jesus. Isaiah speaking of God says, you keep him. Those words are extremely comforting, aren't they? You keep him. He's the keeper. In fact, we've sung that he is our keeper. And no one can snatch us out of his hand. When he says something and we are abiding in him, he is our keeper. He is able. Many times we make every attempt at guarding our peace as if it was ours. And we had the ability to, to sustain it. It isn't ours and we can't. Jesus said to his disciples, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You keep him is a phrase that means that God will guard with fidelity. Watch over each and every one of you and he will persevere. He will keep you close. He will blockade you and God will be a watchman to you. And that gives new meaning to the verse, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Think about these things. Who can be against us? Abide in Christ. Remain there. He will keep you. Jesus said in John 10, 27 through 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We're not talking about when he said they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This, that there does not mean that we will be absent of difficult things in our lives and we will actually not even be absent from deathly afflictions. Because sometimes when God heals us, it's that moment that he's appointed to you and I. We're done. He determines that time. He determines that, that day. It's time. It's time to come home. What, we can, what can we do to have peace? Remain in Christ. How do we know if we are in Christ? Uh, the Bible spells it out this way for us, and it's very simple. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And listen to this. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John chapter 2. Verses 4 through 6. You want to know? Are you inclined to bless, to glorify him, to obey his word? Then by this, we know that we are in him. <clears throat> if it's the opposite, if you're not inclined, you could care less. Then I would beg of you to make sure of your salvation to go to the Lord and know how much he loves you and the grace that he offers you through Jesus Christ. 
believe on the Son, walk with him, ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Because in Christ, we will never be snatched away. We are faithful, we are faithfully and continuously kept, preserved, watched over, and guarded by Jesus Christ. A peace kept by its author, Jesus. Isaiah again, 26, 3 and 4, and this is our key passage. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts and you trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You keep him in perfect peace. A peace kept in Jesus. Secondly, a peace perfected in Jesus. Our peace was broken with God in the Garden of Eden by the first Adam's disobedience. And our peace was restored or made sound by the second Adam's obedience in sacrifice, Jesus Christ. But what is perfect, perfect peace in Christ? What is that perfect peace? The answer to this question is what the world desires, but we'll never find outside of Jesus Christ, outside of God's grace, because it is found only through the Prince of Peace. Shalom is the word used here, the same word that is found in Isaiah 9, 6, in the title of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. Shalom is defined as completeness, safety, soundness, welfare, prosperity, quiet, tranquility, and contentment. Shalom. Peace is found in having want of nothing because we have everything in Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 6.6 says, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Job 1, 21 and 22. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. But what we need to understand is that the only way that we can have completeness in contentment is by having a very special friendship, and that is a friendship with God. You see, it was God's act of love through which he offers to us peace in a right relationship with him. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thomas Kempis said this, quote, The more humble and obedient to God a man is, the more wise and at peace he will be in all that he does. Billy Graham said, quote, If we are at peace with this world, it may be because we have sold out to it and compromised with it. Close quote. Are you more comfortable in the world? When you take a break and you go get refreshed, where is it? You have to take a break from church, from fellowship. Where do you find that time of refreshment? It's anywhere else. You need to question that. Where do you find your peace, your your comfort. 
Where do you find yourself being refreshed? I can tell you that uh, we go on, and that's not to speak of, you know, I'm not talking against vacations. Go and enjoy, you know, time out in different places. We have a beautiful country. Go enjoy it. But I can tell you that that's not where I find true refreshment. That's not where I need to go recharge my batteries. I do it every Sunday. I do it every Wednesday. Quite frankly, I do it every time I open up God's word and sit down with him. Every single day. I, I go on vacation. Why? Because we want to get, get away perhaps as a family. That's all we're, we're doing. We're just enjoying each other's company and just, okay, let's, let's go do something. But that's not the time. That's, that's not the time to where I can say, honestly, I mean, and we, we have a travel trailer. We go camping. It's a time just enjoy. Enjoy it together. But that's not where I find my time of being refreshed and being, finding peace, finding myself. You know, people say, oh, go somewhere and find yourself. Go here and find Jesus. Listen, peace is perfected in Jesus Christ. Uh, I propose you seek for it in the place of its origin. Deal Moody said, quote, A great many people are trying to make peace, but that has already been done. God has not left it for us to do. All we have to do is to enter into it, close quote. Again, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Peace is kept by and perfected in Jesus Christ. We are called to a peace kept in Jesus and a peace perfected in Jesus. Thirdly, a peace guarded by Jesus. People will fail and disappoint our peace cannot be in man, but in Jesus Christ alone. The mind is where we meditate and have thought. It's in the mind where we worry also and are anxious about things. But the Bible tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word in is very important. D.L. Moody said, quote, peace is love in repose. In other words, peace is love in tranquility and a state of harmony with Jesus Christ. Isaiah said that God will keep us in perfect peace. It's his work. He has the ability. Those whose meditation and thoughts are stayed or sustained on the person of Jesus Christ. You, you want to know when you're filled with worry and anxiety and anger and bitterness and jealousy and all of that is when your minds are not stayed on Jesus Christ, when they've wandered a bit. That's why we need to subject them to the Lord and allow him, him, to bring our thoughts in alignment with him. And then we are stayed by Jesus Christ and his word. We are sustained by the person of Jesus. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The world has 
made the heart to be something that you just follow no matter if it's into a ditch or off a cliff. The world says you can't go wrong if you follow your heart. But the Bible says, God says, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And that's actually the law of sowing and reaping. You know, if he gives us the desires of, uh, of our hearts in our minds, then we need to be careful what possesses these hearts and minds. Because have your thoughts ever deceived you? Mine have. Has your heart led you down a path that isn't good? Mine has. Do you desire sure and true peace? And Christ needs to rule in your hearts. The world, the flesh, the system of the world, it, it will all let you down, but Jesus never will. He is our only true and sure hope. A peace kept in Jesus, a peace perfected in Jesus, and a peace guarded by Jesus. Again, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Oh, we can be sure to stand on him, and we will truly be immovable. Trust in the Lord forever, to trust in the one who keeps you, who those whose thoughts are sustained on and hopes in, Jesus will know that perfect peace. Again, to quote Billy Graham, he said, quote, Earth's trouble fade in the light of heaven's hope. Faith points us beyond our problems to the hope we have in Christ. Christ wants to give you hope for the future. He wants you to learn what it means to walk with him every day. When you come to Christ, God gives you eternal life, which begins right now as you open your heart to him. And of course, that's the one thing. That is the, the one person that we ought to run to. Do you feel anything other than hope? Do you feel anything uh, other than a contentment, a satisfaction? If you do, then you need to align yourself back up with the very word of God. Will you open up your heart to the Prince of Peace? It's not just for salvation. I know sometimes we think, well, this is, you know, we we're talking about this and we're, you know, he's going to present the gospel. The gospel's already been presented. It's been along the way. But it's when we express anything other than faith that we ought to repent of that, confess it. Lord, I, I confess, I agree. Those things as a believer, as we hear God's word, should convict us to the point to where, yes, these things that you have just revealed in this message, in the middle of it, those are the things that I need to just give to you and Lord, please forgive me. I want to have Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, rule in my own heart. Teach me. Help me understand how to do that consistently, continuously. Because Isaiah said, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. 
He is eternal. His forgiveness is eternal. His love is eternal. His peace is your reward for trusting in Jesus Christ. In Luke 2, 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I pray that each and every one of you would know that peace. Regardless of the circumstances around you, that we see all around us, perhaps that you're even going through right now. That you know God's peace. Because if you do, it's because you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that each and every one of you know him as Lord and Savior. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts for the celebration that's coming. This Friday, we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope this, this, throughout this whole week, you express a deep faith in him. When you come to that day, oh, you'll sing with joy. You'll praise him. Father, we thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, for expressing your love toward us. I pray for all of us, your church. I ask for your forgiveness because your word tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we don't, we don't have that perfect faith because, Lord, we, we fall short. Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us when, when we express anything other. Lord, that, that we would come to you once more. That we would allow you to remind us of your word and the certainty of your promises. Let us walk in a manner worthy, Lord, of the salvation that you've given to us through Jesus Christ. Let us bring you glory. Let us prepare our hearts to sing of the great joy that we have come to know in salvation. So we praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.